Good evening, everyone, and welcome to If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. That's right, we are back. And ladies and gentlemen, it is an all WWE episode featuring the results of Extreme Rules and what I thought exactly of the entire pay-per-view. I want to thank you all for joining me here and once again joining me on this journey as I look out and see what is going on in the world of professional wrestling. This week, except for Extreme Rules, we're going to have a couple of quick hits and a little bit of the highlight reel from both Raw and SmackDown. No AEW, no NXT, but I have to say that for what's going to be a short show, there was a lot going on in the world of the World Wrestling Federation. That's right, I said WWF. World Wrestling Federation, World Wrestling Entertainment, whatever you want to call it. There was a shit ton of stuff going on this week between Extreme Rules, Raw, and SmackDown. All right? So, without any further ado, let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get into some quick hits, ladies and gentlemen. And our first quick hit of the evening... Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, Bo Dallas, and Eric Rowan all may be being brought back to the WWE. Now, Gallows and Anderson were obviously let go after their contracts expired a few years back. Rowan and Bo Dallas were a part of those budget cuts that Triple H is trying to make right in the WWE again by bringing back such names as Braun Strowman and a list of others. Uh, that we've seen uh, over the last few weeks. So, with uh, Rowan and uh, Bo Dallas coming back and the Good Brothers, guys, the roster is once again going to be plentiful on both Raw and SmackDown. We're going to see some crossovers into NXT, and I have to say that this is absolutely best for business. Uh, Vince McMahon stepping down and leaving the company in the hands. Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, Nick Khan, It was the right choice because they are doing all they can to improve the actual product. The WWE has been good. I don't want to say it's been great because that would be tooting their own, you know, tooting their horn for them. But things have started to get back to a better way that we are excited when Raw comes on. We are excited when NXT comes on and we are excited when SmackDown comes on. And there's no more of this. Oh, well, I'll DVR and rewind later and fast forward later and get through it quickly. You want to know what's going on. So with those four coming back, a more plentiful roster, a better product, thank you once again to Triple H. Number two, rumors have begun as of this past Monday night that the WWE is considering bringing back the European Championship. Now, these are just rumors. And these do happen once a year, ladies and gentlemen. I want us to remember that. Once a year, we hear these rumors of a possible brought back of the European title. It was done when William Regal was uh, over there on NXT. We'll bring it back for an NXT title. Then it was brought, in, uh, the idea was brought back when the WWE was doing this card-off show. There were there are always irons in the fire for bringing back the European title. I thought it was a fantastic piece of gold. I thought it was something that was a secondary title, just like the Intercontinental. But here's the bad part. The WWE is very oversaturated with titles. You've got the Universal Champion that has two belts connected to it. The tag team titles which have connected two belts connected to it. The Intercontinental, the United States, both women's titles, the women's tag team titles. And then you look at NXT 
which is boasting three belts is now right now also um it's it's a little oversaturated it's a little ridiculous if they do bring back the european title i hope that it's used to get nxt europe over and that we see a lot of the nxt uk stars that came over into nxt battling for it and that it's not just one of those belts that bounces from a couple of european guys and then all of a sudden ends up on a guy like baron corbin okay and that's not a knock at baron corbin he's actually put up over the last few months a better body of work i thought his feud with pat mcafee wasn't that bad um so you know and he's been gone the last couple of months but i would hate to think that all of a sudden oh well we're gonna give it to you know someone like uh, uh chad gable you know what i mean it this should be made for european superstars all around the world it just, it makes more sense so with that being said let's not waste any more time those are the quick hits as i said it was a very slow week in the uh uh what was going on storylines uh news is in the world of professional wrestling and i wanted to keep this just strictly wwe uh so with that being said though let's go ahead and get into our show review which is wwe extreme rules and just a reminder to go ahead and check out reliving the extreme with chad aaron and nate uh check out mark's indie spotlight with mark brew uh make sure that you check out a slice of time with nate maxson and the year that was with aaron maxson right here on wrestlenet radio and ladies and gentlemen we are now ready for our extreme rules show review and our show kicks off and a new pay-per-view announcer uh team with uh, michael cole and corey graves that's right we're going with a two-man booth and they welcome us we immediately get a white rabbit teaser and go and then go to the ring for our opening match it's the donnie brooks six-man tag between the brawling brutes and imperium now in case you don't know what this is if you've ever seen the barroom brawls that they set up around the ring like sheamus had with jeff hardy uh you know or, or he had with a couple of other guys in the last few months where they put a lot of bar supplies around the ring kegs wooden crates things of that nature uh they only they amplified it more and i have to say this match started as a six-man war and not a tag was in sight the triple team moves pulled off by both teams were innovative and incredible to see walter and sheamus continued their brutal war and hit each other with every right hand and chop variation they could think of the crowd was on their feet for the entire match and popped when we saw the celtic cross through the table on walter sheamus hit one last broke kick and got the win for his team at the 20 minute mark this was fun and phenomenal all at the same time great way to open this show the Miz is being interviewed about his problems with Dexter Loomis, and the A-lister is pissed and worried about Loomis ruining his birthday party Monday night on Raw. He's then approached by the Philadelphia Flyers mascot and steps on a Flyers shirt. Wow. Talk about getting into the heat. We get a vignette for Ronda Rousey and uh, Liv Morgan, which highlights their entire feud, and it's time for our SmackDown Women's title match. Ronda Rousey taking on Liv Morgan. The opening few minutes of this match was not good. They had no chemistry. The crowd was dead, and neither woman was making it look believable. The bat and chair shots looked weak as can be. Morgan with a senton through the table on Rousey, but was only good for a two-count, and it led to Ronda locking in a submission. Morgan continued to fight out, and Rousey couldn't seem to get it properly locked in. 
but finally got a weak-looking submission in. Morgan passed out, not tapped out, and Rousey got the win in 12 minutes. Your winner and new SmackDown Women's Champion, Ronda Rousey. Not terrible, but not great either. A good vignette hyping McIntyre versus Karrion Cross is shown. I can't believe this isn't the main event, in my opinion, because it's a strap match. And then we go to the ring, and uh, they got started as a brawl, and the actual match didn't start right away. After about five minutes of fighting all over the ring, the bell finally sounded, and both guys tore into each other. Cross whipped McIntyre and kept him down for most of the match, but Drew made a nice comeback. We saw a future shock DDT for a two, and then a setup for a claymore. Scarlett used Mace against and blinded McIntyre, and Cross swooped in. Cross hit his cross hammer uh, and then got a win at the 13-minute marks. I'm a little confused as to why it was so short and so early on the card, but it was still good. It was a decent back-and-forth battle, and I liked that Scarlett got involved. But I think these guys deserved at least at least 20 minutes. But who am I? I'm not, I'm not the booker. The Miz is talking to Maurice and assuring her that his birthday party on Raw will be absolutely fine. The Flyers mascot approaches again, and Miz snaps on him and walks off. A vignette for Bianca Belair and Bailey is shown, but it's mostly highlights of what Bianca has done in her rise to the Women's Championship. We then go to the ring for the Raw Women's title matchup. Pretty evenly contested match from the beginning with a lot of scrambling for the latter. Bailey used a lot of sneaky tactics and punished Bianca for the most part of this matchup. Belair finally made a comeback and hit a nice-looking slam onto the ladder. Bailey tried to use part of her knee brace, but Belair hit a KOD and was trying to get to the title. Damage Control come running out and ate a double KOD, which was actually very impressive. But the distraction allowed Bailey to get back up. After a fumble with the ladder, Bailey and Bianca were both on top of the ladder, and Bailey knocked her opponent off and almost got the title. Bianca used her hair and brought Bailey tumbling down and delivered a massive KOD onto the ladder itself. Bianca got up and retrieved the Raw Women's Championship and got the win at the 15-minute mark. Your winner and still Raw Women's Champion. This was a good match, but nothing groundbreaking by either woman for the first ever women's ladder match, in my opinion. And I have to say, and please understand, this is actually nothing against Bianca herself. She's a great athlete, but she has become very stale. And if for the reports that we've been hearing over the last few weeks that Charlotte Flair might be making a return soon, uh, it's just going to get staler. You know, it's it's not going to get any fresher because we know the way that Charlotte has a uh, matchup with people. Uh, she comes dressed out in her Sunday best. She calls them dirt and that they're not better than her and that she's better than them and she can do everything that she can do and beat them on, you know, twice on Sunday. A typical Ric Flair promo, only done the Charlotte way. And then... Charlotte Flair usually wins the title. So if we're going to go from stale back to the old ways of Charlotte Flair, um, no thank you. Put it on Bailey. Put it on Dakota Kai. Hell, put it on Alexa Bliss. But I, I just, I, I didn't find this match to be anything great with these two women having the feud that they've had over the last couple of weeks. A great vignette for Edge and Finn Balor brings us to the match uh, that I've been waiting for. And again, Thought it should have been the main event, but I guess the fight pit has to be the main event of this show because of how big that cage is. And I loved everything about this matchup from beginning to end. It was an absolute war all over the arena, and both men just kept punishing each other and pushing each other harder and harder. And harder. 
I don't know how Balor survived the hockey stick, and I don't know how Edge looked as good as he did through all of this. The Judgment Day made their way to the ring and handcuffed Edge. Rey Mysterio tried to make the save, but Dominic took him out. Uh, Beth Phoenix showed up and cleared the ring, but it left us with Beth versus Rhea. And what a sight it was seeing both these women fight. Edge tried to make a comeback after being unhandcuffed by Beth. Uh, Ripley took out Beth, and then all four ganged up on Edge. Rhea tried to hit or threatened to hit Beth with a concerto, but Edge eventually said, I quit in order to save his wife. And Finn Balor gets the win in 28 minutes. Wow. Just wow on this one. Post-match, Ripley still hit Beth with the concerto, and the Judgment Day left the ring and left Edge to check on Beth. Now, something tells me that this feud is going to continue, and I know that I shit on the Judgment Day last year, last week with my uh, Grinds My Gears uh, segment. I'm happy that they finally won a big match on pay-per-view. I'm happy that Finn got the push in this one, and I'm happy that what we might see is Edge take about a month or so off in order to tend to Beth, bring her back, and then we get a match between Edge and Beth and possibly Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley or you know Dominic and Rhea Ripley, whatever the case may be. Uh, this may free up the Judgment Day to do something else down the line, and I like that. The Miz has one final run-in with the Flyers mascot and starts beating him up. <laughs> Dexter Loomis makes the save and allows the mascot to get in one good kick to the ribs. This has been funny and stupid all night long, to be honest with you. It's the only real backstage segment segments we're getting, and it's Edge and the Philadelphia Flyers mascot. Last vignette of the night shows us the history of Rollins and Riddle and how personal these two have gotten. This was the right choice, I guess, for main event. Like I said, based on the size of that cage and the actual length of this feud, uh, it was worth it for them to put these two on last. And we go to the ring. I've never been a huge fan of these types of matches, I have to be honest with you. The last one I really enjoyed was Owen Hart versus Ken Shamrock. But both Rollins and Riddle delivered. Daniel Cormier was a decent referee and called it clean. The fighting at the top of the pit was genius, and the buckle bomb spot and RKO were scary to watch. Riddle's senton from the top was incredible, and uh, both men were just fighting for their lives. In the end, Riddle got a submission locked in and got the win in 20 minutes. Wow. Great main event, in my opinion. Uh, and, you know, it really added to the show. Uh, I thought the pay-per-view was about to go off the air, but then it happened. The lights went out. He's got the whole world in his hands played. And we got to see Huskis, the Buzzard, Ramblin' Rabbit, and Abby the Witch in the crowd in human form. No longer puppets. The Fiend mask was on the announce table. And then a Fiend in the crowd. And then a door appeared. A video played for the Firefly Funhouse, and the house looked like it had not been tended to in months. And then Bray Wyatt in a new mask made his entrance, and the show went off the air. I personally marked out and thought this was an absolute perfect return for Bray Wyatt and his new gimmick. It was not The Fiend, but it was. It was not the Firefly Funhouse, but it was. There was this new mask. There was this creepy element by seeing the Firefly Funhouse covered in dirt and spider webs and looking destroyed. The door that emulated this blue light paid tribute to Brody Lee, Luke Harper, a man who passed and was best friends with Bray Wyatt. 
Um, it, it That blue light was the same blue light that we saw when Brody Lee debuted in AEW. It was absolutely perfect to see Bray Wyatt again. And in this new aspect, in this new persona. The WWE allowing this man to call his own shot and actually book his own storyline now is going to be fantastic. I'm going to touch upon that a little more a little more uh, when we get to the ending of the show. But because of the opening match, Edge and Balor, and the main event, the, pit fight, the fight pit match, this was easily a four. But then following what happened with Bray Wyatt's return at the ending of Extreme Rules, I'm giving it a five out of five. This was, in my opinion, WWE's best pay-per-view to date based on those matches and the return of Bray Wyatt. It was great all around. Well done, WWE, because you've got me hooked again. You've totally got my interest. Hell, you've got me shitting on AEW every week. The WWE, Triple H, thank you for making wrestling fun again. For making it good again. So, once again, with that said, because I wanted to change it up a little bit uh, this week because of obviously I wanted to talk about Extreme Rules first because of what happened on Raw and SmackDown. We're going to go ahead and let's get into the highlight reel. And just a quick update about the show. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be trying something out new. I may have a few buddies with me that I go a very long way back with. And we're going to be testing something out. Not for if you smell what the arch is cooking. We're going to be testing it out on this show. But it may lead to something else coming to the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network. So, with that said, the highlight reel. Monday Night Raw kicks us off. Number one, that DX opening was funny as hell. I liked the knock at uh, AEW by Triple H telling them not to fight. I like the throwback to the uh, old way of uh, the cursing and, you know, them bleeping it out, but then them being upset that the other one cursed. It was hysterical. Uh, number two, Gargano versus Theory. And I didn't know that I'd be telling you guys that Austin Theory's actually had a good match because I don't like this gentleman. But Kevin Owens and Johnny Gargano have brought out the absolute best in this young man. Number three, the return of Gallows and Anderson, the Good Brothers, to help AJ Styles with the Judgment Day. The reports were true. I spoke about them earlier. Yes, Gallows and Anderson have already returned back to the WWE. They are now in a feud with AJ Styles going up against the Judgment Day. And that's why I like them ending the Edge feud a little bit at Extreme Rules. Because now we have a great battle between the club and the Judgment Day. Also, just a quick side note. Carl Anderson will be defending his New Japan Pro Wrestling Never Openweight Championship next month in Japan at New Japan Show, and he may be at Wrestle Kingdom. So the WWE is allowing the Good Brothers to honor their commitments to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And number four from Monday Night Raw on the highlight reel this week, Brock Lesnar's return, him taking out Bobby Lashley, and it leading to Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley having a quick but really, really fun matchup in which Seth Rollins won his first world have, uh, world title, any title, excuse me, the United States Championship in the last 590 days. So congratulations to Seth Rollins. Hype that Brock Lesnar is back. The Good Brothers re- return back to the WWE. 
Monday Night Raw was absolutely action-packed. They talked about The Fiend a little bit, but they said that he would be on a SmackDown. And from what reports are going on right now, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, or whatever uh, aspect that he is coming back in, will be predominantly on a SmackDown. All right. So I didn't want to talk about that in the quick hits, guys. I didn't want to give anything away to what uh, the return at Extreme Rules or what we're going to talk about from here on out. Then we go to SmackDown. Sami Zayn and Kofi Kingston put on a stellar 22-minute classic on SmackDown. That matchup was amazing. And then we had Sheamus, Ricochet, Solo Sequoia, and the returning Rey Mysterio to SmackDown. Rey Mysterio is now predominantly on SmackDown. He will not be on Raw anymore because he cannot handle what's going on with Dominic and he does not want to fight his own son. They had a fatal four-way for a shot at the Intercontinental title. And it was a 30-minute, unbelievable, fatal four-way. All four men involved. None of that throw your opponent to the outside so two of you could battle. No. They all went at it. And Rey Mysterio got the win, finishing, pinning Ricochet after putting his head through the mat with a crazy-looking horn Conrana, and then the 619 and Splash. So Rey Mysterio has got the shot at Walter. Now, Walter is, is over six foot, over 200 pounds, and a monster with a crazy-looking chop. Rey Mysterio is 5'5", and I believe 195 pounds. And I think it's going to be funny to see Rey Mysterio flop around after he gets chopped in the chest. So that's a hell of a match we got coming up for us. I don't know if that's going to be on an episode of SmackDown or possibly in Crown at Crown Jewel or what the case may be. But whatever the case is... I think that it was a great fatal four-way between those three gentlemen. Uh, those four gentlemen, excuse me. And then our main segment, Bray Wyatt returns to SmackDown. His entrance was unbelievable. That new song was a banger. He came out, no mask on, just the lantern, lays the lantern down, and then proceeds to cut a human promo. This is not Bray Wyatt. This is not The Fiend. This is not The Fun House. This is not, you know, his original Cape Fear, uh, a scarier Bray Wyatt character. This is really him. And he is cutting this promo about losing his job, two of his close friends that he loved very much, his self-esteem, his anxiety. Everything went through the roof and he lost it all. And this man poured out his heart to us which almost brought out a tear in my eye because I have to say he cut a damn good promo saying that fans told him that they, that Bray saved their life because of his words and everything that he was doing while he was gone and while he was there, but that it wasn't him saving the fans. It was the fans that saved him because all they did for him and all they kept giving him while he was gone and wanting to find him and wanting him back gave him a reason to live. He thought that, Nothing he had done was worth anything, that he didn't, you know, touch anybody with his words or his actions or his storytelling. And he came to find out that everyone was moved by what he had done. The promo itself was unbelievable. And I even remarked to my wife, Sarah, as I was watching it, him doing this makes him a different aspect, a different person. It's not just about a character. And this is him putting his feet in cement and cementing his legacy in the WWE, whether that means he's the next Austin Rock Undertaker 
It doesn't matter. He is the first Bray Wyatt. And then the lights went out. And we saw his masked alter ego on the Titantron. And this masked persona told him to forget about the past, forget about the future, and to come with him. Because he doesn't know who he's dealing with. Bray doesn't know he's dealing with this with this new persona. And that he will. He will know who he's dealing with exactly. I love this. Because if one of Bray's actual alter egos have now taken over, and Bray is just trying to be himself, it leads us to not just having regular Bray, Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, but also Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt, this new persona, and so many other different uh, schizophrenic personalities. <laughs> you know, there's talk of the Wyatt Six, this new stable that he's going to put together, and that Liv Morgan or Alexa Bliss is going to be Abby the Witch, Karrion Cross is going to be one of his minions, uh, you know, Grayson Waller is going to be uh, Mercy the Buzzard. God, I hope not. You know, there's all these different characters they're going to bring in to play the Firefly Funhouse characters as humans without a mask on, but be there in the Wyatt Six. But then there's another part of the story that Bray Wyatt is actually the Wyatt Six. And we're going to see six different alter egos coming from this man at once that we'll never know who we're dealing with. I'm all for it. I'm all in. You've got me invested. You have hooked me to want to wait until next week and find out more. I want it. I need it. This is what the WWE needed to get back to that old-timey feeling. So thank you again to Triple H. And I know I've said that multiple times during this show, but I promise you, if you aren't saying it already, you will eventually. Because the man is doing the work that no one else could for the last 10 years, and he's done it in just the last three months. So, as my catchphrase usually is, with that being said... I don't have a grinds my gear for this year, this week. I don't have a palate cleanser for this week. I don't think we need it. But I do have, what I do have is this. Yes, I know sometimes my words shit on the product. I know sometimes my words make it seem like I am swaying from one company to the other. But the truth of the matter is, is I'm a wrestling fan. Of over 30 years, I started watching wrestling at WrestleMania 6. Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. I've told you people this story before. I was a nine-year-old boy watching this product for the first time with my granddad and bonding. Here we are 32 years later. I'm 41 years old now. And has the product gotten bad? Yes. Has it gotten better? Yes. Has it done that a million times throughout our time of being a wrestling fan? Yes. But here's the constant. Wrestling is there. When life is kicking you in the proverbial bulls, when things have you down, when your anxiety is high, when you're uh, not feeling well, when you don't feel like you got anybody to talk to, when there's nothing else on TV, when there's a problem at work, when there's a problem at home, when there's something going on in this messed up world that we call our lives. Wrestling is there. The days may change. The hours may change. But it is still there. And no matter what, 
these men and women, whether they belong to WWE, AEW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Impact Pro Wrestling, MLW, the Indies, it doesn't matter. They're putting their bodies, their lives, and their careers on the line every night. And before we bitch about the product sometimes, before we shit on it and we don't give it a chance, before we let first impressions make us think this is going to be terrible, we need to stop and thank these men and women, the wrestlers, the promoters, the bookers, the cameramen, everybody that works in this business that we love. We need to stop and thank them for giving us this outlet to enjoy ourselves for an hour to three hours, every almost every night of the week. I think it is every night of the week. You got Raw on Monday. You got NXT on Tuesday. AEW on Wednesday. Impact on Thursday. SmackDown on Friday. Saturdays and Sundays are for pay-per-views. What more could you ask for? So, make sure that before you shit on it, you at least thank them. And watch it for what it is, a fun outlet. So, that's going to wrap us up. Uh, Programming note, AEW airs on Tuesday this week on TBS on a special Tuesday night at 8 p.m. So, they'll be going head-to-head with NXT. Uh, Make sure that you don't, you know, Oh, shit, I missed it. I forgot to DVR it. You know, AEW will be on Tuesday night. So they're going to go to head-to-head this week. going to be pretty fun to watch. See how they do. I want to thank you once again for joining me. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Nate Maxson um, for giving me this platform in order to talk about the current product of professional wrestling. And uh, that's going to do it. I will see you next time on if you smell what the arch is cooking.